We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. Justin Graver here, coming to you on Monday night with me, as always, Justin Mello, here to talk some more NFL Draft. How you doing, Justin? Doing well. When we're talking NFL Drafts, I am always in a good place. That's right. So we're going to get into today some more positional previews, but I do want to just give you guys an update because some things I said last week that we were going to go through every position and yada, yada, yada. And to be frank, like it's starting to get clearer and clearer, I think, every week where the Titans might be heading when you track the visit lists and what positions they're really looking hard at. Like They've met with one or two edge rushers and one or two cornerbacks, but for the most part, you're seeing lots of O-line, lots of wide receiver, lots of tight end. Lots of quarterback. So we're going to wrap up our positional preview series today by talking offensive line because, like it or not, Titans fans, there is a huge, huge chance the Titans spend their first-round pick on an offensive lineman. So we're going to look very closely at that position group this week. Next week, we're going to hit our top 10 most likely players that the Titans will select with pick 26. We did this last year. And I think we had Caleb Farley either first or second as the most likely player the Titans would select at 22 overall last year. And they took Caleb Farley. And then the following week, which is draft week, we will be talking, we will do a mock draft. Uh, We'll probably do a dueling mock draft just like we did last year where Justin will pick his seven-round mock. I'll do my seven-round mock and we'll kind of compare and contrast as we go. So with that being said, let's get into this week's episode, Offensive Line. Before we dive into the players specifically, philosophically, Justin, what do you think about the Titans spending yet another high draft pick on an offensive lineman? I mean, it wouldn't totally shock me. Obviously, uh, they, they took Dylan Raiders in the second round last year, and they took Isaiah Wilson in the first round the year before that. Wilson pick, obviously, you know, one of the worst in franchise history. And, and Raiders, uh, you know, I understand people are, are frustrated right now because uh, he didn't really play much last season. You don't really know for sure what position he's going to play going forward. There Which are a lot of questions there, and I'll I'll probably bring that up a lot throughout this episode because it really does play a role in what position they could target in the first round, right? If Dylan Radens is a tackle, then they might draft a guard. If Dylan Radens is a guard, then they might draft a tackle, right? So it's kind of frustrating in a sense from our perspective uh, they're probably loving it, right? Because the more confusion they could put out there, the better. Um, but I, I think it's very possible that they go in that direction. Uh, as of now, we don't know for sure who's starting at left guard or right tackle. There are obviously some some decent, you know, in-house candidates, some clues that we've received, uh, but we don't know for sure. And then at the other positions, you've got an aging Taylor Lewan at left tackle and obviously an aging Ben Jones at center. So this offensive line is going to go, you know, through a, a pretty big makeover over the next, you know, two years, e- even I would say. So uh, it wouldn't really surprise me if they draft an offensive lineman early in, in the first round, particularly. And uh, it's tough to blame them if they do. When you look at all those factors I just mentioned, and, and truthfully, a lot of it, it's not like it's because oh they've missed. Yeah, they missed on I- I- Isaiah Wilson, obviously. 
We don't know yet about Dylan Radins, right? It's way too early to say they missed. Even if Dylan Radins is a starter at right tackle, let's say, you still got a hole at left guard because you released an old Roger Saffold. You've got an aging Taylor Lewan, an aging Ben Jones. Like this group was going to go through changes, uh, you know, most likely regardless of, of what's happened. Um, we know with, with Wilson and Radins, obviously. Uh, those two uh, situations maybe made it more of a pressing matter, but uh, this offensive line has been headed for a makeover. Certainly just, it's just sort of destiny, right? They're all getting old at the same time. Exactly. So the Titans have been meeting with offensive line prospects. I think they're on the record of having met with Zion Johnson, Kenyon green, uh, Trevor Penning is coming in for a visit. They just, that was just reported on Monday. If you had to break it down here, just looking at, let's start with the interior because you feel Dylan Radins is a tackle. We've heard from Mike Vrabel recently that um, Jamarco Jones is a left guard. So if we look at it from that perspective, I would say Jamarco Jones is kind of like your day one starter at guard, but looking to soon be replaced, kind of the way that Nate Davis came in as a guard in the third round as a rookie and didn't start right away, but eventually became the starter. So if the Titans went with that kind of route, Drafted a left guard in the first round. Who are some of the guys that you're looking at at pick 26 that would be a good value if you can consider a first-round guard a good value um, and that might be able to fit in the scheme that the Titans are in? Yeah, I, I think there's only two of them uh, in terms of guards that I would consider uh, at, at 26 overall, and they're pretty obvious. You'll, you know, the listeners will probably already predict who I'm going to say, but First off is, is Boston College, Boston College's Zion Johnson, who, who you mentioned. And can I just do a quick victory lap? No one's going to care about this except me because I'm petty. But in our famous group chat where we have all our Titans buddies and writers and content creators, I think I said back in December or November, whatever it was, have uh, any of you guys watched this Zion Johnson kid? He, he's unbelievable. I think he's going to be a first-round pick. And I got a whole lot of who's, who, who? Who? Uh, that's this mellow gassing up another prospect. Who, who the hell is this? Zion Johnson's going to be a first-round pick, ladies and gentlemen. The kid is unbelievable. I mean, what's not to like? First of all, he goes to the combine. If You, you know I love to start with combine measurements and, and testing. Even though I'm more of a tape guy, I like to kind of give you the tail of the tape, so to speak, double entendre. Uh, six foot three. 312 pounds, 34-inch arms, you know, hands uh, larger than 10 inches, runs the 40-yard dash in 5.18 seconds, a 32-inch vertical, 9-foot, 4-inch broad, 32 reps on the bench press. That was uh, the top bench among all offensive linemen. No questioning the kid's strength. 32 reps is pretty astounding on the bench. 34-inch arms, I mean, this guy was playing left tackle for them, and he's and he's got the length to do it, right? I mean... <laughs> that those are long arms, right? Those are offensive tackle uh, long arms. But I, I still think he's going to kick inside. Uh, that was sort of my opinion from the very beginning when I watched the tape on him. Uh, I still think that's going to be the case. What a talented kid. He started his college career at Davidson. I, I don't know how that happened. It was obviously a little overlooked. Ends up transferring to Boston College. Plays three years there as a starter. Like I said, he split his time, left tackle, left guard. Uh, he was incredible at, at, at both positions. I mean, really, you watch the guy at tackle, it's so impressive when you know that he's probably going to kick inside to guard, how he's handling himself uh, there on the edge. I really like him. I, I really, really do. I, I got a top you know, 25 grade on him uh, in this class on my big board, which I'm still trying to publish, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if anyone was looking for that. I haven't had time to publish it. It takes a lot of work to type in 175 names 
uh, into a post. I would love to do it because I, I want to put my big board on record. So I'll, I'll try to get around to it at some point before the draft. But I got a top 25 grade on him. Uh, I think he's got a really balanced skill set. You talk about, you know, I think he's a good run blocker. I think he's even better in pass protection. That's something uh, Titans fans would probably like to hear based on the struggles they had uh, in that area a, a year ago. But uh, I, I really love him. You talk about him, you know, uh, you, you draft a guy like this. Uh, I think he's a plug-and-play starter. I, I don't think this is a guy that's coming into camp and getting beaten out by friggin' Jamarco Jones. That That's not something – I see. I know the Titans don't love to start rookies right away and stuff, but when you've got you bring this guy in, I, I have a hard time seeing him losing out to a a veteran um, a veteran journeyman. I'd even go as far to call him. I know Jamarco hasn't only played for two teams, I believe, but uh, is a guy that Seattle didn't have much interest in resigning. Right, this right. past they don't have... probably. For a good reason, right? So and they don't have the best offensive line to begin with. So. And he was a backup there too, I think, right? Uh, uh, Jamarco Jones was. So I, I really, really like Zion Johnson. Um, I don't know if you want to ask me another question. You want me to get into my my second guard? Well, just a couple things on Zion because I do think it's worth spending the time here because I think he's if he's there at 26, he's very much in play and he might not be on the board by then. But what's interesting about the Boston College connection is obviously Mike Vrabel's son, Tyler Vrabel, played on the same offensive line. So you know that the Titans are going to know everything there is to know about what this guy's like in the locker room, in the huddle, what kind of player he is intelligence-wise and effort-wise and all those things. And I don't know, you've probably done this, but if you look at his mock draftable, like, spider graph, he's rather short, only 7% height, which doesn't really matter for a guard. In fact, it can help a guard win the leverage battle at like times leverage, if they're yeah. lower. Um, but the rest of his measurements, I mean, blew it away on the bench press, 20-yard shuttle, three-cone drill, broad jump, vertical jump. In those categories, he's 89 percentile or better, 89% hand size, 40-yard dash, 10-yard split, 68 percentile, 72nd percentile, respectively. So, like, even the the things that he's not super elite at, he's still better than average, well above average in just the athletic profile that he has. And when you when you match that up with the tape, you're looking at what, like you said, a first round guy. So, I'm all in on the Zion Johnson pick. I mean, my preference here is that the Titans spend their first round pick on a wide receiver, but that's almost just because it's more exciting. Like from a team building standpoint. If Dylan Radins can be your right tackle, I feel like this is a, would be more or less a home run pick at 26. Yeah, I mean, if, if uh, you said it in a sense, if you got Radins at right tackle and Zion Johnson at left guard, uh, I, I think you've done a pretty damn good job, you know, beginning to retool that offensive line. Uh, I, I'm a big fan. I, I was going to talk more about the vert and the broad jump. I'm glad you did because I, I actually forgot because I got lost in how much I love him. Like, I was just, just ready to go on and on. I mean, you, you could put on the tape from 2021. Watch. Uh, I think Missouri was probably his best game. People want to go and see a, an absolute dominant performance. Uh, I thought he was unbelievable in that game. It's funny, in my notes, I wrote next to that game, uh, long-term starter at left guard, plug and play. Like, that's just immediately how I felt about him. He, he uh, 364 pass-blocking snaps last season, gave up one sack, two hits, three hurries. This is from Pro Football Focus's draft guide. And he's playing and, left tackle, right? Like, it's yeah, crazy. And their, their uh, cons, one of the cons they list here is um, most of his downgrades are awareness-related when picking up stunts and blitzes, which is a little, a little bit concerning from a Titans standpoint because the Titans' offensive line has struggled to some degree to pick up stunts and blitzes. Um, but that's something that, you know, coaching can coach up and Keith Carter's done a great job with 
backups throughout his career here in Tennessee. So I wouldn't be too concerned about it, that. It also depends where he's playing, right? Like you correct me if I'm wrong, but thinking back to last season, I feel like Nate Davis had a lot of struggles with that uh, at, at right guard. And then, you know, having a right tackle, like, you know, Q next to him who wasn't playing at the highest level, you put Zion at left guard in between Ben Jones and Taylor Lewan. I, I feel a bit better about how that awareness is going to develop. I think I, I would think at least. One last thing on Zion before we move on. What is your opinion of older prospects? Because this is a guy who spent five years in college. He's 22 already. Um, is that something you care about? I know I know some scouts are like, we prefer 20, 21-year-old guys who have more room right. to develop. But to me, an older guy like this is more capable of stepping in and starting from day one. I, I'm also really hesitant on calling a 22-year-old older. Like I, I know what you're saying. There's 20 and 21-year-olds. I get that. I do consider age a little bit, but that's it. It starts bothering me when you're 24 going on 25, you know, and there are guys in this class, right? Vilas Jones, the receiver out of Tennessee, uh, who a lot of people like, no, I have 22. doesn't bother me one bit, 24 to 20, you know, 25, there's 24, 25 year olds. Like that, that's a bit of an issue in my opinion. It also depends on the position. Wasn't Hayden Hurst 25. I think he got drafted in the first round or something ridiculous like that, but no, I, I think it's crazy to have an issue with a 22 year old. All right, let's move on. You said there were two guys that stood out in the first round. Who's the second? Yeah, the other is obviously Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M. They had a big uh, – Titans had a big contingency there at his pro day, right? I think they sent quite a few people uh, to attend a couple weeks ago. Uh, another guy that's unbelievable. You know, <laughs> I'll start with the measurements once again. 6'4", 323, 34-inch arms, uh, hands larger than 10 inches, uh, the testing was a little disappointing and that was a bit surprising, right? A 26 inch vertical, a broad jump. That was only, I think eight, about eight feet, six inches, you know, 20 reps on the bench press. When you turn the tape on, you really start to fall in love though. That that's why I'm, I'm willing to ignore, uh, 35 plus starts. He, he, he has at Texas A&M at every position, but center they've played him at left tackle. They've played him at left guard. They've played him at right guard. They've played him at right tackle. He's another guy that played a lot of guard like Zion Johnson, but you figured he was going to kick inside. And again, like Zion 34 inch arms, right? Again, it's like the length is there, right? Like on paper, it's, it's not like his arms are too short to play tackle. The length is there, but uh, I really love him. And I think the Titans are going to really like him a lot as well, because I, I talked about Zion being better in pass pro than as a run blocker. Uh, Kenyon green is a dominant, dominant run blocker. He's incredibly yeah. physical. That's really his calling card. You picture him replacing Roger Saffold at, at left guard. And it's really, it's an easy fit there, right? You know, as great as Saffold was in the run game, I think Kenyon green uh, is every bit as good. And look, look no further. Most of our listeners probably watched this game. Even if you weren't interested in scouting green, you might've watched it live at the time. The big upset that they had over Alabama this past season. Um, he started at left tackle in that game, played most of, most of his time at left tackle this past year. He was unbelievable at that, in that game against, again, playing left tackle against a program like Alabama with some of the edge rushers and some of the D linemen period that they have there, even this past year, right? Um, he was incredible in that game. I mean, you want to talk about passing the eye test in the biggest game of the season, they upset Alabama and he was arguably the best player on the field. And I know it's not sexy because he's, he was the tackle, but he was incredible. Like I, I in my notes for that game, I, I wrote down, he, he essentially played a perfect game at, at a position that he's unlikely to play in the pros, right? Like yeah. it's, it's really something I am 
extremely high on him. When I say extremely high, extremely high. I, I don't care if, uh, you know, if I'm wrong about it, I'm wrong about it. He's in my top, he's in my top 12 on my big board. I, I think he's an elite uh, interior offensive line prospect. I really do. And it's not like his athletic profile is horrible. I mean, he was lower than you'd hope on the vertical, not not as strong as you'd like on the bench, but his 40-yard dash, 54th percentile amongst all O-line. That includes tackles, 10-yard split, 44th percentile. So it's not like he's just a, a horrible athlete that can't no. move. And actually, one of his biggest strengths is how he gets to the second level and locks in on linebackers. So you'd think that his athleticism wouldn't, really be much of a problem at the next level and speaking on the age factor he just turned 21 years old a month ago so <laughs> he's go. he is still on that what you would maybe consider more upward trajectory of development if you're looking for a guy for the titans who i mean the dylan raiden's experiment <laughs> leads me to believe that they like their offensive linemen to be able to play multiple positions on the O-line and you know they'll bring like him this can do it. they'll bring him in and force him to play center for the first time the only position he didn't play <laughs> Right. So anything else you want to say on green or should we look at some of the other options in the first no, round? I, I think that covers it. Cause I, I think those are the two guys. If they're going to go with an interior offensive lineman in the first round, that's the one I would anticipate. Now you've got your hand up. Are you going to say something about Tyler Linder Linderbaum? The that Iowa is who kid? I was going to ask about. Yes. I figured you were going to, to do that as soon as you put your hand up. Um, and I've seen him in some mock drafts, I think still lately for the Titans. I think one of our listeners, our followers mentioned him in, in our mentions earlier today. Um, mm -hmm. Look, he's a center, right? And, and he's only a center. I would be stunned if they use their first round pick on a center after resigning Ben Jones to a reasonable two-year contract. That just doesn't line up to me. Like, look, he, he's a good center prospect. Some people think he's a very, very good center prospect. I, I, and I get that. I have a little pause with the measurements. 6'2", 296, you know, under 300 pounds, 31-inch arms, right? It gives me, and I don't know if Superhorn listens to this show, our buddy Superhorn uh, over at Music, uh, over at, sorry, Broadway Sports Media, but it gives me flashbacks to Garrett Bradbury a little bit, right? When everyone was on that train and, and I fell for it too. What was the knock on Bradbury? Oh, the arms are short and he's under 300 pounds. I don't know. Those were the only knocks. Bradbury's tape was elite. So was Tyler Linderbaum's. Uh, those, those measurements have really hurt Bradbury uh, in the NFL. So I do have some pause, a little concern over this kid despite the tape being incredible he tested at his pro day finally uh, and he tested well as, as expected he's a good athlete and he looks like one on tape uh i wouldn't shock me if he goes in the first round but uh i i would be stunned if the titans took a center i i really would if, if they had let ben jones walk we would be talking about this guy like we just did Kenyon green and uh and zion johnson he would be high on the list of potential picks but I, I don't, you know, they're in the end of their, they're nearing the end of their Super Bowl window, right? The Titans are. Um, you really gonna gonna draft a center as a, like a succession plan to Ben Jones? That's what you're gonna do in the 2022 draft? I, I would be shocked. They could, like, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing. It would be less surprising than drafting a tight end. I think, even though I'm high on that they might draft a tight end train. Um, Josh Norris of Underdog Fantasy, who is was last year's most accurate mock drafter has the Titans taking Tyler Linderbaum in his most recent mock draft and shout out to Zach Lyons, broadwaysportsmedia.com who has an excellent article up 
looking at mock drafts and not just like rounding up every single mock draft, but looking at who the most accurate mock drafters have been over the last three years and who they have going off the board before the Titans pick and then who they have the Titans taking. It's it's a really well done article by Zach. But yes, he has been linked to the Titans a little bit there. So it's possible that they grab him in the first round, try him at left guard. If he doesn't play, he's a backup. And then he's the successor to Ben Jones in three years. That does seem like a far-fetched plan to me because you got Ben Jones locked up for two more years now. So I don't know that I really see that happening. I I don't think, I know you can switch guys around, but I don't think he's ever played guard. I mean, I'd have to look into it more, but I'm pretty sure he's been a center his entire life career yada yada so i can tell you I, I in one moment stunned. i would be shocked if he was a guard at the next level tyler linderbaum took every single college snap at center i thought so every single one and then when you look at those measurables he's a center yeah yeah he's short not gonna arms come in and factor in for you at guard right with those short arms that's true um Let's stick to the first round here before we continue looking at interior offensive linemen and talk about maybe some tackles that might be in play at 26. Who jumps to your mind first? Yeah, I mean, they're not going to have a chance at at Evan Neal, uh, Icky, or even uh, Charles Cross from Mississippi State, in my opinion. I don't don't expect any of those three tackles uh, to be on the board. I I think the fourth tackle that will get drafted, uh, sort of, you know, after those guys, of course, is Trevor Penning, the tackle out of Northern Iowa. Uh, and funny, my colleague at the Draft Network, Ryan Fowler, reported that Penning is going to be coming in for a visit with the Titans on Tuesday, uh, April 19th. So, you know, they're getting closer to the draft and they're still bringing a guy like him in for a top 30 visit. I'm not surprised they like him. Uh, not one bit. That's a, it's actually it's not surprising at all when you when you hear about him and you watch him. Uh, six, seven, 325, 34-inch uh, arms, little greater than 34-inch, 10-inch hands, ran the 40 in 4.89 seconds. That is absolutely ridiculous at 325 pounds, right? Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. What about the vertical? A 28-inch vertical at that size? I mean, it's just it's just stupid, right? Like, the athlete is unbelievable. <laughs> you watch what he did against Iowa State this past season. I thought he was really good. That's obviously one of the better teams they had on their schedule, being a small school like Northern Iowa. So I would recommend if you do want to watch him, go watch Iowa State, one of the better teams. Thought he was really good uh, in that game. Really athletic. It, it pops on tape. He's so light on his feet, right? That's one of the things that jumped out. And one of the first things I wrote in my notes, he's, he's an easy mover. He's competitive. He's tough. The athletic ability uh, jumps out at you. He's unbelievable. He went to the senior bowl in January. That was big for him, obviously being a quote unquote, smaller school guy. And he was awesome there. He, he, you know, he didn't look lost amongst bigger prospects, big, you know, bigger school prospects was really good from, from what I heard. uh, He actually, a lot of the players disliked him because he's a quote unquote, an asshole. He's a, and you tell me that, you know, that doesn't speak to John Robinson and Mike Rabel's soul. They called him a finisher after the whistle. He's a mauler. He to the point where he was a little annoying, where he was looking for fights after the whistle. Like he just was really wanted to kind of show off that attitude. Yeah, it's just interesting to me that there are a lot of similarities, in my opinion, between him and Taylor Lewan. And the athletic profile is similar. They're both six seven. They're both ninety seven percentile forty yard dash guys. They're both uh, above ninety. He was a 98% three-cone drill. Lawan was 91% percentile there. But, I mean, tremendous athletes, huge guys who have a personality and are kind of noted assholes a little bit on the field. I This guy feels like a Titans type of guy 
my question here, he gave up only one sack last year, only one sack the year before. My question here is, do the Titans spend a first or second round pick on a tackle for the third year in a row? And if they do, what does that say about John Robinson's recent ability to evaluate offensive linemen? Yeah, I think it would be, you know, fairly concerning, right? I, I would understand why people would be frustrated. I mean, he faced those questions Robinson did last year when they took Raiders in the second round, right? I remember after, you can go back to Jack Conklin, right? People say, well, in your first five years, you've used three top 64 picks on offensive tackle. And uh, if I remember correctly, J-Rob got a little defensive. He said, yeah, it's a position we value, right? Like, we yeah, value right. a ton. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. One last thing I'll say on Penning is what would be more surprising to me is if he was actually available at 26. I don't think he's going to be there. If you're tell, if Evan, look, let's do some simple math here. I don't know if math is the right word, but you get what I mean. If Evan Neal, Icky, and Charles Cross are all top 10 picks, which they, they very well could. Two of them are essentially guaranteed to be top 10 picks. Charles Cross has a great chance to join them. The fourth tackle is not going to get picked until 26th overall. Not the way that position is valued. Everyone knows the Los Angeles Chargers won an offensive tackle at uh, whatever 18, 19th overall, wherever they pick. I think personally, a little, a little theory of mine, yeah, the Eagles and Saints swapped, uh, you know, they did that strange trade where the Saints moved up uh, in, in, into the first round and the Eagles got rid of one of the three picks they had and they kicked the can down the road to next season. I think the Saints moved up right in front of the Chargers, by the way. I don't think uh, that was a mistake or an accident is what I mean to say. I think the Saints might be targeting an offensive tackle in this draft as well. As soon as that trade went down, a lot of people said, oh, it's going to be for a quarterback. The Saints lost Taron Armstead in free agency, right? One of the best left tackles in all of football. Uh, and who do they move up in front of? The Los Angeles Chargers, who very obviously need a tackle of a right tackle of their own. So uh, I don't, all this to say, I don't think Penning makes it to 26. If you just look at the last three years, uh, there were four offensive linemen taken before 26 last year. There were five offensive linemen taken before 26 in 2020, and there were only three taken in 2019. Of course, the class matters, the quality of players, the depth of the class, and the top heaviness of it will affect how many tackles get taken. But the average over the last three years is that four go, and if Penning is the fourth, then the Titans wouldn't have a shot at him. I do want to say, looking at his mock draftable profile, one of his uh, top comparisons is Jack Conklin, 72.9% athletic profile match. So that's and, kind of interesting. And, and one thing I'll say, and look, I, I could be proven wrong on draft night, but I think there's a strange gap here where I don't think there's another realistic candidate to be the fourth tackle off the board. Like, I think it's, I, I feel relatively comfortable guaranteeing that it's going to be petting. I mean, the two guys that have a chance and I, I hope I don't butcher their names here, but it's, it's Daniel uh, Fa'alale Fa from Minnesota because he's 6'8", 384 pounds with 35-inch arms. I mean, someone's going to fall in love with those measurables, but I, I really don't think um, he's going to go before pending. And the second uh, player that I, I think if there is going to be a stunner is uh, Bernard Raymond, the, the foreign exchange student from, I think it's Australia, where he came to Central Michigan again. He's 6'6", 309, uh, and there's a, there's been a lot of hype, uh, been some hype around him as well. I think those are the only two outside-the-box candidates, uh, but I feel very strongly uh, that Trevor Penning will be the fourth tackle off the board. So while we're here on the first-round offensive lineman discussion, I want to bring up a tweet I fired off earlier this evening, recording of this on Monday night. 
Just asking Titans fans, if the Titans did use their first-round pick on an offensive lineman, would you be happy, sad, or indifferent? And the results are coming in. I got 28.8% happy, 20% sad, and 50% indifferent, which I take as kind of a wait and see or like, I'll be happy if he's good, I'll be upset if he's bad kind of answer, which is like the most, like, no shit. Everyone should be happy if he's good and upset if he's bad. Um, some of the answers I liked here... It is the needed, boring pick. My only worry is it's the third high draft pick used on an offensive tackle in the past three years. Can't afford for it to not work. That comes from Adam at Xander Mercury, who follows and comments on a lot of our stuff. And um, I kind of agree with that. Like, it has to work out if you spend a, a first-round pick on an, another offensive lineman because blowing that on the same position again would be crazy. Um Bobby Fricks at Bobby Fricks replied, indifferent, I'd like a playmaking wide receiver, but realistically the O-line needs to be retooled more than it has been. That's kind of what I said when we started this conversation is like, I would prefer a wide receiver because it's more exciting. So I don't know how you come down on the wide receiver versus O-line debate, but we were talking about this in the group chat earlier today. It's between those two positions, almost certainly, right? The other ones in play, I think, would be quarterback and tight end. I'm of the opinion that the Titans are not going to spend a high pick on a quarterback this year. I just believe that it is the best way to proceed is to give Ryan Tannehill another chance or two to try to advance further in the playoffs. People say that he can't advance in the playoffs. He made it to the AFC Championship game three years ago. Granted, he didn't have to throw a lot to get them there, but he's the quarterback capable of making it that far. He led this team to the first overall seed last year, beating the Chiefs and the Bills and uh, the Rams and a lot of good teams in the regular season, the Super Bowl champion Rams at their home stadium. I think that the Titans believe in Ryan Tannehill enough to not sacrifice picks that could be used to bolster the team around him and especially not to trade away picks to go up and get somebody in a weak quarterback class. And so I say all that to say it's probably wide receiver or offensive lineman. And if it's not offensive lineman or wide receiver, then, and it's not quarterback or tight end, then it's like there, there better be an incredibly good player at another position that fell to them there because otherwise, what are they even doing? But I did a little bit of research here on the wide receivers drafted in the first round and the second and third rounds dating back to the 2017 draft when the Titans took Corey Davis, just to see what their odds are, historically speaking, the last five years, if they were to take a first-round receiver versus taking a day-two receiver. And the Titans obviously don't have a second-round pick, so I grouped in day-two and three. And by my estimation, the first-round receivers drafted in the, since 2017 have been basically all hits. The misses are John Ross, Nikhil Harry, and Jalen Rager. The hits, I'm counting Corey Davis as a hit. Mike Williams got a big second contract with his team. That's a hit. Corey Davis, I'm counting as a hit as an almost 1,000-yard receiver who now plays for a terrible team but got the big contract from them. DJ Moore signed a big extension. Calvin Ridley was a hit until he got suspended for gambling. Marquise Brown was phenomenal last year. Jerry Judy has been very good but not had a good quarterback. We'll see how much better he is now with uh, Russell Wilson at quarterback. C.D. Lamb has been a hit. Justin Jefferson, an obvious hit. And I counted Brandon Ayuk as a hit because he's not the wide receiver one in their offense, but they have Debo Samuel, and he's been a playmaker whenever he's been able to get past Kyle Shanahan's like parenting tactics and get out on the field. So to me, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine first-round hits compared to three first-round busts. 
and I'm not even factoring in last year's class because I still feel like it's too early, wait and see. But if we did factor in last year's first round receivers, that's three more hits, in my opinion. The Jamar Chase guy's not bad. Yeah, Jalen Waddell had a great year, set the rookie receptions record, and the jury's still out, I think, on Devonta Smith, but he was such a good talent in college and flashed some playmaking ability last year in a run-heavy offense with a bad quarterback. So, to me, those three guys are also hits. I think this is like the way that the game is trending. There's so many good receivers coming out of college nowadays, and they're NFL-ready. Yes. And take them in the first round. If Chris Olave or Jamison Williams or Traylon Burks is there on the board at 26. I know you have Robert Woods now, and I know that A.J. Brown is your obvious star, but having three guys out there and when A.J. Brown misses a week or two with some random knee injury and when Robert Woods has a random swollen knee from his ACL recovery, like you got to have more playmakers on the field. How much do they believe in Des Fitzpatrick? I don't know. They shouldn't believe very much in him. Anything he gives you is just a bonus, okay? He was a day three pick to begin with, and he was horrible last year. So I'm of the opinion the wide receiver should be the pick. But that said, there's a lot of value to be found on day two at wide receiver. My estimation was that half of the wide receivers drafted on day two in the last five years have come out to be busts, and the other half have been very good. So it's a just looking historically speaking, about a 50-50 shot that you find someone good. Those good, good ones include A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Debo Samuel, Michael Gallup, T. Higgins, Terry McLaurin. There's a lot of guys that have been drafted in the second and third round that have been really good lately. So from that standpoint, maybe you do go O-line in round one and try to grab your receiver round two or three if you have to make a trade up to get into round two. But the other factor at play is the Titans need a tight end of the future. They've met with almost all the tight ends that are thought of as being good in this year's draft class. So anyway, long spiel to say... I think they should still go wide receiver round one, but there's a lot of ways to go. What what are your feelings on this subject? I've been pro receiver in round one the entire time, and I'm not changing my stance. I really like what you said about um, how they've been they're NFL ready because I think that should matter. Like these guys are producing right away, right? And a lot of other positions can't say the same. Offensive linemen aren't really producing right away, right? Tight ends aren't producing right away typically speaking when you look at day two it's offensive true. linemen last year the year before there are a lot of either busts or guys that are still developing on the bench dylan radens I'll, I'll break it to you titan stands dylan radens wasn't the only second round lineman last year that didn't factor in for his team uh, it was almost all of them right like yeah. that's just kind of the way it's been going with offensive linemen lately so uh, i'm pro receiver i'm very pro receiver and i i essentially like them all i'm at a point where i feel and i know you may disagree but it doesn't really matter but I think Drake London is going to be the first receiver taken in this class. It just feels like it's been trending that way. I think the Jets really like him. I can see the Jets taking him at 10th overall. I can see the Falcons being interested in him, in him even potentially at eight. I think Garrett Wilson is going to go fairly early as well. But when you start talking about the Chris Olaves, the Jamison Williams, um, and Traylon Burks of the world, if the Titans have a chance at one of those three guys, um, you know, they may not like all three, uh, who's to say, but I personally do. And I, I would really like to see one of those guys, uh, be the pick there at 26. If you look at, um, now I don't know if Jamison Williams is falling to 26. I still think he's like a top 15 pick and probably should be the first receiver off the board, ACL injury or not. But looking at John Robinson's history, he loves to grab a guy who is really good, but whose value slips because of an injury. Obviously, looking at Jeffrey Simmons and Caleb Farley, 
could Jamison Williams be next in line to be that guy that should have gone earlier, but because he has a torn ACL, teams aren't drafting him as high and John Robinson pounces and takes advantage? I don't think he'll be there at 26. Um, but if he's there, I, I think you, you better friggin' sprint to the podium and, and get that pick in because uh, he's so dynamic. He's electric, man. What a playmaker. Oh, yeah. So for me, uh, if, if he's there, I, I, you don't even think twice. And such a good downfield threat, too. That's the part that's so underrated, I think, about what the Titans just, like, need in general in their, like, in their offense this year. He was um, fifth. He's fifth, according to Pro Football Focus's draft guide, fifth in the class in terms of deep yards that he accumulated last year with 671. Like, get this deep threat on the Titans' offense right now. I'm going to say something about Traylon Burks real quick because it's funny in the way it, it hit me today. I was having a conversation this morning with someone uh, you know, whose opinion I, I really value um, in this industry and someone that I, you know, I have chat, chats with from time to time. And the topic of Traylon Burks came up, and, and this person's not a Titans fan or anything like that. He's, he's an evaluator. And he said, you know, all this pre-draft chatter, everyone keeps wanting to make Traylon Burks Debo Samuel, right? Of course, because Debo took off last year and Burks can do some things for you, lines up in the backfield. It's always trendy, right? Who's the next Debo Samuel? And this guy said to me, he goes, well, what's, what, I don't think he's Debo Samuel, but what's wrong with A.J. Brown? Why isn't he A.J. Brown? A.J. Brown's a really freaking good NFL receiver. What if Traylon Burks is A.J. Brown? And I said, that is so funny because I, I, had, I had not said this to him, but I swear, I swear to God, the first time I ever watched Traylon Burks several months ago, A.J. Brown was the first comp that ever came to mind for me. And I think A.J., I'll say this, I do think A.J. is a bit of a better athlete. I think he's a little he, smoother. I think he's more he, efficient getting in and out of his breaks. He tested those better, things, too. I'm sorry, say that? He, he tested better, too. A.J. ran like a 4-4-1. Yes. And, and I think in both instances, I think that matches up. I think Brown is a better athlete. He's more efficient in and out of his breaks, smoother athlete, all of that, better route runner. But uh, where I see the comparison is how physical Traylon Burks is, not just, uh, sorry, in two categories. As a route runner, he's a really physical route runner. So is A.J. Brown. And he's also really physical after the catch, right? He creates for himself after the catch based on physicality. He can break tackles. He can elude them in the open field. Again, uh, he had the most explosive plays out of any receiver in the SEC this past season. Traylon Burks did. So I see a lot of similarities to A.J. Brown. I know the testing is... A, a smidge concerning. And I've seen a lot of people say, oh, what, a, you know, he's LaVisca Chenault. I, I'm not ready to, to say that. that. That would obviously be, if he's LaVisca Chenault, you don't draft him. You know what I mean? Absolutely not. But I, I think that's degrading him a little too much. I don't, I don't personally think uh, he's LaVisca Chenault. Can I make the A.J. Brown comparisons go further? I think watching these guys, something that stands out to me, stood out to me the first time I turn on the tape for Traylon Burks. And this is something that I think like sometimes it takes a lot of tape study to really get to know a prospect. And sometimes you can see things right away. And one thing that you see right away is ball skills and just like general natural ability to be a hands catcher. Burks is the kind of guy who reaches out and plucks the ball out of the air with his hands, with perfect catching technique, never tries to bring the ball into his chest, never tries to bread basket it. He goes out and gets the ball with big, strong hands. And I think that A.J. Brown is the same way. Really natural ball tracker when the ball's in the air going over the shoulder type of catches. And I think it dates back to his time as a baseball player. 
both guys, AJ Brown and Traylon Burks, were huge baseball stars in high school. According to this ESPN article that came out last week, that if you haven't read it on Burks, really good read about him being a wild boar hunter. Um, Alex Scarborough wrote that was for. Insane. It's for ESPN. Such a great article. But according to this article, baseball was Burks' first love. Same thing for A.J. Brown. So the comparisons do run deep. And, like, it's hard to say one guy is just like another guy and every guy wants to be themselves, right? Stop comparing me to people. I'm the next me, whatever. But uh, I do think the comparisons are apt. And you, if the Titans loved A.J. Brown, there's no reason they wouldn't love Traylon Burks as well. So I think that that is in play. But this is the O-line episode. So I think we should take the conversation back there. Let's say the Titans do go wide receiver round one or something else, quarterback, tight end, pick, take your pick. Who are we looking at in round three and beyond as possible O-line candidates for the Titans team? I think you can group guards and tackles in here and kind of run through some names quickly. That's tough uh, for me to run through them quickly because there's so many that I like. I'll, I'll start with tackle, and I'll, I'll only throw out a, a few names. One guy that I think is a little underrated, is uh, Abe Lucas out of Washington State. You want to talk about, again, Titans, they value athletes at the position, right? They run that outside outside zone scheme that requires you to be a pretty good athlete, right, to reach your spot uh, on time before your opponent does. That takes athletic ability, light on your feet, quickness, all that. Uh, Abe Lucas is 6'6", 315, ran the 40-yard dash in 4.92 seconds. It's an absolutely ridiculous time for a tackle uh, i think the concern on him is uh is this strength right it's, it's a there's a, some lack of play strength there you'd like to see him uh bulk up and, and sort of anchor a little bit better than he does now Thir- just under 34 inch arms so he will meet thresholds for arm length you like the size uh you like the length and you absolutely love the athletic ability so i think he's a guy worth taking a gamble on potentially in round three or four uh the other one that I, i'll throw out two more actually one that I just fell in love with the other day, I'm not embarrassed to admit it, I feel super late on him. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing the name correctly, but it's Matt Waletsko. He's an offensive tackle out of the University of North Dakota. Don't confuse him like I have at times. That is not North Dakota State, where Dylan, where Dylan Radins went and you know perennial FCS champions. No, it's an even smaller school. It is North Dakota. Not North Dakota State, just North Dakota. Six foot eight, 312 pounds, 36-inch arms. It's almost unheard of. It is absolutely ridiculous. He ran the 40-yard dash in 5.03 seconds. You want to talk about length? You want to talk about athletic ability? This guy is absolutely ridiculous. A 30-inch vertical, 113-inch broad jump. The testing was elite. The measurables are elite. When you watch the tape, it's pretty elite. Now, again... (laughs) Uh, a lot of small schools on the schedule, so we understand that. Uh, but you watch him play against Utah State this past season. It's a game I, re- I really recommend. Uh, some of that film is unbelievably dominant. Now, he's obviously facing a big jump from the FCS to the NFL, and I think there's a bit of a, bit of a strength issue here as well. I'd like to see him uh, be able to handle that, put on some more muscle, add to that core strength. But I really, I really do uh, like him a lot, especially if he's available in fourth round. I'm sprinting to the podium. Last but, lot, last but not least at tackle is Dare Rosenthal, University of Kentucky. Bit of a, bit of a size issue here, 6'7", 290. You don't, see that, you don't see that body type all that often, 290 pounds at 6'7". Uh, what did he run the 40-yard dash in? You're starting to see a theme here. I like athletes late. 4.8, 4.88. It's absolutely insane, right? It's ridiculous. 
Initially, he went to LSU. So obviously, there were some chops here coming out of high school. Was highly recruited. Didn't quite cut it at, at LSU. Uh, played defensive tackle a little bit in high school. So he was really raw when he first got to college. Didn't work out for him initially there. Ends up going to Kentucky. Um, you see the physical gifts. They jump off the screen. You're, the hands are still developing, right? The placement, timing of his punch, the strike. He's not done, right? It's not finished cooking, right? He's in the oven right now. You got to get him in there. Get him in with a good offensive line coach like Keith Carter. Have some fun. If you get this guy in round four or five, I, I think you're laughing uh, with some of the traits. Uh, some of the, uh, I'll move over to guard. Uh, I'm still going to shout out Dylan Parham from Memphis, although I think nice. he's probably a second-round pick. I just love him so much. I can't let an offensive line episode go by without me talking about him. Well, what don't, what's not to like, um, he went to the senior bowl in January, played both guard and center, and he was excellent at both positions. That was huge for him to showcase that versatility, tip the scales at 311 pounds. Why do I mention that? There was some chatter that he was maybe under 300 pounds. That would have been concerning. It was really big for him to go to the senior bowl, go to the combine, weigh in at 311, uh, ran the 40 yard dash in 4.93 seconds. That is just unbelievable. He had been listed 285 at Memphis, by the way. That's why I mentioned, uh, so to go from 285 to 311, I mean, that's pretty astounding. Started every game at right guard this past year. So when he goes to the senior bowl, they put him at center, was somewhat new for him. He looked like a natural. So he's done a lot of favors for himself throughout this uh, pre-draft process. In 2020, he played a lot of right tackle and some left guard. So every position, essentially, right, across the interior and on the edges, I love him. He's so athletic. He's such an easy mover. I think he's probably a second round pick. I can't imagine um, he, he gets out of that range, but I, I just, I, I like him so much. Uh, one small schooler, a local small schooler that I have to shout out because I love him so much. I'm so high on him. I'm higher on him than most people is Cole Strange out of Chattanooga. This is another guy who did his pre-draft uh, stock a ton of favors by going to the senior bowl. He was really good there. I mean, shades of, Remember the, the, the Wisconsin Whitewater kid last year, Quinn Miners, where he did his yeah. draft stock a bunch of favors? I think you might see a similar story in Cole Strange because he was so good at the senior bowl. He's 6'5", 307 pounds, ran the 40 in 5.03 seconds. That's a really good time, again, for an interior offensive lineman. Uh, the vert was uh, – sorry, the broad jump was greater than, than 10 feet, which is terrific. 31 reps on the bench press. There, there's nothing not to like about this kid. 41 career starts at left guard. It's, it's astounding. What same thing, what happened when he got to mobile senior bowl, they asked him to play center. What did he do? He looked really friggin' good. <laughs> if you want to watch this kid, you want to get to know him best team. He played in 2021 on his schedule was Kentucky. And I thought he was excellent in that game. Past the eye test. You worry about a small schooler. Look, he was amazing against Kentucky. He was amazing at the senior bowl. That does enough to, uh, for me to squash the small school concerns I, I got to interview him a couple of months ago. It was one of my first interviews uh, this draft season of any of the, uh, the the player, the series that I've been doing at the Draft Network. I, I loved how honest he was. He almost made me laugh. I said, you know, he, he's a bit of an older prospect. So that's one thing that's working against him. I can't remember the age exactly, but he was in school five or six years. I think five years it was. And I asked him, you know, why didn't you come out a year ago? Uh, and he was very brutally honest. I, I respected the hell of it. He said, because no one was going to friggin' draft me, man. I, I didn't hear from one agent last year. Not one. No one contacted me. No, no wow. one was going to draft me. No one had interest in me. Goes back to school this year, had a big year, goes to the senior bowl. I got a top 100 grade on him. I think I have him currently at around 85th overall. I am extremely high on him. I, I may have him a bit higher than most. 
but to me, there's nothing not to like. Uh, another one I'll give you here because I can go on and on is a center prospect from Nebraska, Cam uh, Jurgens, I believe it's pronounced. Um, beefjerky.com, I believe is the site. One of my favorite stories, the kid sells his own friggin' beef jerky. He grew up on a farm. Uh, th- tell me he wasn't born to be an offensive lineman. He grew up on a farm, always liked beef jerky, said, you know what? I'm going to try to make my own brand. He is currently selling his own brand of beef jerky. I highly recommend that you give it a taste. From what I've heard, it is delicious. Center prospects from Nebraska, 6'3", 303, 10-inch hands. Again, I'm sorry. I'm getting a little predictable here. Ran the 40-yard dash in 4.92 seconds. It's absolutely ridiculous. He is an insanely athletic center. Great 40 time at the combine. Again, he weighed 303. It's just a hair over 300, but it was really important for him because there was a lot of chatter that he was maybe under 300. I really like him. I think he had weighed 290 throughout the majority of his career in college. He is super, super athletic. Again, there are some things that you're working on here still. Certainly you question core strength and things of that nature. But when I look at zone blocking teams, I think of the Titans, the Jets, the 49ers, the Packers, uh, the Rams. Those teams will probably have a lot of interest in him on uh, either really late day two uh, or early day three. I got a shout out Zach Tom from Lake Forest. If James No Flags Film is listening to this, I'm doing his podcast later this week. I'll be on uh, the, 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 the Titans 10 podcast with, with uh, uh, Easton uh, and James later this week. So I got a shout out Zach Tom from Lake Forest because they'll probably ask me about him because I, I know uh, uh, James loves him so, so much. 6'4", 304, ran the 40 in 4.94 seconds. Is this the most athletic offensive line class we've ever seen? Everyone I'm bringing up ran the 40 in under five seconds. This is friggin' ridiculous. Uh, three comb time of seven, three, two is very, very good. 34 career starts, essentially all at left tackle and center. You don't see that all that often, right? A guy that plays left tackle and center. That's what Zach Tom did. I think he's a center at the next level. So Titans, if the Titans do have interest in Linderbaum, don't draft them and take Zach Tom later on. Cause yeah. I think you'll get better value, especially at the center position. He can play all five positions though. He's done it at Wake Forest. That's going to make him very desirable. Uh, on day three. The last guy I'll mention is uh, Chris Paul out of Tulsa. This is a guard prospect, another day three sleeper. 6'4", 323. I'm a broken record. Ran the four-yard dash in 4.89 seconds. I mean, that's ridiculous. For a guy that's 323 pounds, that's a quick mover, right? Uh, Four-year starter there at Tulsa. Very, very uh, a, a lot of experience, really love him. Uh, two seasons at guard, two seasons at tackle. So that's how Tulsa used them. I think he's more of a guard again, really good hands. This, I, I've talked about some guys who aren't as developed that are raw. When I talked about the Kentucky kid there, Rosenthal. No, Chris Paul's the opposite. He's extremely developed. He's got great hands. Uh, I, I really love um, what he does uh, with, with those hands, the, the timing, placement, strike, all that. Uh, really, really good. So I think that's, uh, I'll, I'll probably stop there because I'm out of breath, but that, that's a rundown on, I just gave you a ton of day three offensive line prospects, a couple day two guys. I skipped over Tyler Smith from Tulsa because I think he's a round two guy, has been mocked to the Titans a little bit. Hell, why don't I give you my thoughts on him quickly? I'll find the breath uh, because some people have ha- had him mocked in the first round. Uh, it's easy to fall in love with him. He's um, super aggressive. He, he wants to friggin' bury you in the ground every single snap. His tape is like the most aggressive tape you'll watch out of on any offensive line prospect. He's very raw from a technical standpoint. He doesn't quite know what he's doing yet with his hands and his feet. He's still getting those things sorted out. It's very much a work in progress. I do like him a lot. 
but I think he's a late second round prospect. I, I, I don't see the value that are in the first round on Tyler Smith. I'm glad you brought him up because I was going to ask you your thoughts on him just because he has been mocked to the Titans a good deal over the last It would few be weeks. a reach. It would be a yeah. reach. I remember when they took Isaiah Wilson in the first round, not because it didn't work out. You can go back and dig up my big board. I welcome you to do it. You'll probably find a lot of instances where I look stupid, but I remember having Isaiah Wilson, I think around 63rd overall on my big board. That's what I thought Isaiah Wilson belonged personally. And uh, I've got the same, because again, there, there were some technical things there that needed cleaning. Um, and I think the same with Tyler Smith to, to a degree. I think there are a lot of technical aspects that need to be cleaned up. I can't draft a first round lineman. That's a mess technically. Yeah, I, I agree there. And I think when you start talking about all these guys being so athletic and running the 40 so fast, like John Robinson has shown that he values that too in the, yeah. in the draft picks he's made on the offensive line. So that is definitely a, a good thing to look at when you're trying to match offensive line picks True. to the Titans. So it's that I scheme. We, you you, you yeah. need you need athletes. You need guys that can move and get out in space and and hit a cornerback on a screen or hit a linebacker on the second level. And like those are yeah. those are important parts. That's what of Roger the Saffold does. That's what Taylor yep. Lewan does. That's what David Kissenberry is a good athlete, right? People sometimes for he gets mistaken for this hard hat, bring lunch pail to work guy because he's overcome so much in his life, but he's a really good athlete as well. Yeah, absolutely he is. Um, all right, well, anything else we want to talk about here between the O-line wide receiver debate? Because I think that there are other positions in play, but like, it's got to be an offensive player here. The, the defense is stacked, bringing back most of your starters from last year. I mean, the only one you really let go is Jackrabbit Jenkins. So I feel like they're going to look at defense later on. They're probably going to refill the linebacker room. They're going to refill the safety room with a couple of picks there on day three. But other than that, I feel like this draft is going to be pretty heavy on the offensive side. Before we wrap up our positional series, I do want to say that tight end has been a position the Titans have really, really looked at this draft cycle. So I do think the Titans are going to take a tight end pretty early. First round seems rich, and I want to get it out there that like I don't necessarily think it's a good idea to draft a tight end in the first round. And I feel like people are getting it confused on Twitter when I say there's a decent chance. I put it at 15% today in a tweet. I said 40% chance O-line. 40% chance wide receiver, 15% chance tight end, 5% chance other. Now, a lot of people think quarterback should be like the 15% chance and like tight end should be in the other. And that's fine if you think that, and I, I don't fault you for thinking that. But personally, with everything they've said about Ryan Tannehill since the offseason started, about wanting to surround him with weapons and not evaluating him based on a one bad game and his like drive to get it, better and work and he's like out throwing routes to des fitzpatrick and mason kinsey and whatever he's already started throwing and the titans open their uh voluntary otas or whatever voluntary workouts start for the titans on next monday the 18th yeah i'm pretty sure ryan Tannehill's gonna be there because he's already out throwing with his guys and it just doesn't make sense to me for them to say all those things that they've said this to me it's very different from when the Cardinals were saying Josh Rosen is our guy and then went and drafted Kyler Murray first overall. First of all, Josh Rosen was freaking terrible for the Cardinals. They had the first overall pick for a reason. Yeah. If the Titans had the first overall pick because Tannehill was a disaster and they could get the top quarterback in the class, it's a way different conversation. I really don't think the Titans are going to draft a quarterback. Tight end, however, 
The Titans don't have currently anyone on the roster who is under contract at the tight end position beyond 2022. They got two guys on one-year deals and some practice squad players. So they don't have anyone to like build the tight end position around. A team that has historically used the tight end a lot, used a lot of two tight end sets. Delaney Walker, Frank Wycheck, and Johnny Smith had four good years here. I think that this team needs a tight end of the future. When you look at John Robinson personally in his history, one of his biggest hits ever as, a, as an evaluator in the draft is Rob Gronkowski, who he implored Bill Belichick to look at closely. He There's an article out there that came out just recently about Gronk. It was like 10 years later looking at how Gronk ended up a Patriot or something that was an athletic article that came out recently. And John Robinson is quoted in the article saying, I'm bringing this guy up to Bill every other day. And it was about how Gronk told him that his favorite TV show was SpongeBob SquarePants at the time, which is just a hilarious <laughs> Gronk fact. But the fact that John Robinson is quoted in the article, I'm bringing this guy up to Bill every other day. Like this was John Robinson's guy. And there was a story that came out when the Titans hired J-Rob and I've been looking for it all day, honestly. And I couldn't, I honestly just couldn't find it. But it was about how when that second round pick came up, John Robinson had wanted his team, the Patriots and Bill Belichick to take Gronk with the 27th overall pick in the first round. And they instead went with Devin McCourty, who was obviously a great pick for them. But 27th overall, John Robinson wanted the Patriots to draft Gronk. And when their pick came up again in the second round and Gronk was still on the board, John was like, Bill, take another look at this guy. Look at this tape again. Here he is against Patrick Chung, who was on the Patriots at the time, putting up 160 receiving yards against Patrick Chung. And uh, the Patriots drafted Gronk and the rest is history. Now, I say all that to say the Titans have the 26th pick. That's only one before 27. And I know Gronk's come once in a lifetime, once in a generation. He's all-time one of the greatest tight ends ever, if not the greatest tight end ever. I'm just saying, if John Robinson falls in love with a tight end prospect, like, say, Trey McBride, who put up 1,100 receiving yards last year as a tight end in college, it's like, that's way different from a 1,000-yard receiving season in the NFL, okay? You have way less games. You have less time to play, like less snaps overall. There's a lot more rotation going on. To, that he put up 1,100 yards is crazy. In a run-first offense, by the way, and he's got quotes out there about how he loves to run block, and he knew that his only way on the field as a freshman was to be able to block, and that I think that like most tight ends, like you were saying, come in, they're not day one NFL ready. Trey McBride could be, but he doesn't have to be because the Titans have Austin Hooper and Jeff Swaim for him to sit behind. So all this to say, I don't think it's going to happen but I feel like people are completely ruling it out and saying, like, that's impossible. Why would you take a tight end in the first round? Like, I generally do agree with that. But just looking at what John Robinson's life and history has been as an NFL evaluator, like, it would not shock me if, if there's a run on linemen, Penning's gone, the four tackles are all gone, if Alave and Williamson and Burks are all gone. It's not crazy to think he could go pivot and take Trey McBride, take a player earlier than they're valued at which he did with Isaiah Wilson. He's done a few times. He traded up to eight overall to draft a right tackle in Jack Conklin. Like he has thrown positional value to the wind before. I think it could happen. It's a possibility. Not saying it's likely. I put it at 15%, but we haven't talked about tight ends and we're not really going to get to do tight ends in our positional series because we're wrapping it up today with O-line. So I wanted to throw all that out there. We will talk about potential tight ends the Titans could draft next week um, as part of our most likely series, but... We're going to do most likely first round pick, and then we'll talk a little bit about tight ends just because 
the Titans are definitely drafting one because they've met yes. with basically everyone. I think that's a good idea. We should, we'll definitely talk tight ends next week. I do have some thoughts. I, I'd love to get out there um, on the tight end class. I've obviously, I've, I've watched a ton of them and I've spoken to a bunch of them uh, throughout this time, right? I, I've interviewed Trey McBride. I've interviewed, uh, you know, uh, Grant Calcaterra. Uh, I've interviewed Cole Turner. Um, I, you know, I, I, I broke the news that they had Daniel Bellinger coming in um, right. for a top 30 visit. Um, uh, that that so rap sheet we, tried to re-break today and you were like, not after, so fast. After I broke five days ago, rap sheet. Get, get with the <laughs> freaking program. Uh, um, uh, I've interviewed, who else? Uh, Ch- Chigo Okoronku out of Maryland. Uh, I, I, I've spoken to a, a ton of tight ends. I will be, I've interviewed Kate Otten from Washington. Uh, I think I'll be interviewing Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina shortly, potentially Greg Dulcis, Chelani Woods. They're all on my current schedule um, if we can make happen. So uh, I know this tight end class really, really well inside out. So definitely excited to talk about them with you next week. And I've got some surprising takes on the tight end position. I, I'll say that and I, I'll probably uh, prove to be wrong. Again, you can you can dig this up a year or two from now, but I, I think I see this class a little bit differently than the general public does. Interesting. So that's your tease for next week. That'll do it. We covered the offensive line pretty in depth, covered an O-line wide receiver debate. I gave my thoughts on why tight end could be a good pick in the first round. I gave my thoughts on why they shouldn't take a quarterback. We covered it all today, Justin. Any last words before we sign off here, or should I just do it? No, it's been a, it's been a long episode, right? Certainly over an hour. I, I, I think I uh, people will probably be happy with how I covered the offensive line class from guards to centers to tackles day one day two day three uh you know udfas i may have even thrown in there so uh titans are gonna draft one maybe two so yeah uh, you'll you'll certainly be able to refer back to this episode at some point uh, at the conclusion of the draft and that's my goal each one of these little previews is to find a soundbite that i can pull on draft night and post <laughs> to the world and say this is why you should have been listening to music city audible all along Thank you to those of you who were listening all along and have listened to this entire episode. We appreciate you, the listener, more than anything. We will be back next week to cover more of the draft. I already told you what we're doing, so I'm not going to say it again. Follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. You can find me, of course, at Titans Film Room. Until next week, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.